here, on the eve of battle, we meet these two enemies that have become friends. Dylan, the battle was yesterday. What are you talking about? Did I miss it? No. Well, yes, you did. Well, um, how? But I, I read the Google Calendar invite. It, was, it said the we, battle was today. Well, I've got bad news. You know who's not here this week? Did Caleb not survive? No, C- Caleb was at the battle yesterday. And he lost. And rather than face us with the shame of defeat, Caleb committed seppuku. My God. What an honorable Um, feat for an honorable man. Yes. Um, So, yes, Caleb is gone forever. Ever. Never coming back. Forever. He's never coming back. Caleb's gone. It wasn't because his contract wasn't renewed. Who said that? Um, So, yeah, it's just us to talk about a samurai movie this week, Dylan. You know, I feel like there are worse things we could do. Like have a Star Wars episode where we think we're going to fight each other on things, but we end up agreeing on everything. The entire, <laughs> the entire episode, we keep bringing up points, and with each point, we keep saying, oh, this is the one you're going to get mad at. Oh, this is the one you're going to get mad at. Oh, this is the one you're going to get mad at. And then at the end of the episode, we're just like, oh, shit, yeah, we, I guess we agree, yeah. I think we just had like the most like political discussion if politics like ever worked before wartime. It's like, ha oh? Yeah, um... Yeah, it's 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 the Dylan and Ross show this week. Um, it's it it's fun. Cruise Tober, Cruise Tober, baby. Cruise Tober coming to an end. Um, but we're gonna continue with Tom Vember because we Tom Vember. <laughs> I forgot that's what it just. Okay, so wait, Cruise Tober, Tom Vember. Okay, everything worked out for some reason. I think like I read a message and it didn't click that we included his entire name. Yeah, we got Cruise Tober. We got Tom Vember, and then um. Christmas episodes. I don't fucking know. Who cares? <laughs> what is it? It's gonna be um Liam September September? December? What what? I don't know. Roll the clip. Roll the, the intro. Is, Roll the intro. The Flattery. Flattery. Cut me off. Cut me off. You know, without Caleb here to keep us grounded, this is turning into a shit show. I mean, we had successful episodes without him before. What's what's the difference now? Um, we've gotten used to him being here because you know, for the you know, when he was gone, he had only we'd only done like ten episodes of the show. We hadn't found our groove yet. Oh well, yeah, I love how we've it, had Caleb. It, like Caleb was is and always will be like the kind of like grounding force. But as soon as he's gone, I just said. We just said, fuck it, we're not doing Schindler's List, we're going to watch Lord of the Rings. And then it was downhill and up from here. To relate it to this movie, Caleb is the Billy Connolly of our (laughs) podcast. He is, he's Billy Connolly who who drives us forward, who who Uh, saves us from our alcoholic depression. Our one last... Our, our, our the only thing ke- keeping this podcast connected to reality. <laughs> uh, how does you do realize the hypocrisy of that, right? Like Billy Connolly and reality. I mean, he's an actor, yeah, but no, not even uh, the fact he's an actor. It's Billy fucking Connolly. He's I do I like Billy Connolly. No, I like him too. I'm just saying, like he's most known for his exaggerate roles. He he's a very funny person. I remember I think the first time I saw. Um, him in anything was a series of unfortunate events. Oh, right. No, no, no. It was Muppet Treasure guy. Island. Muppet Treasure Island was my first. Jim. Jim, 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 Jim. I'm yeah, not Jim. Jim, 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 Jim. This is Jim. <laughs> uh, yes. 
Um, but we did not watch Muppet Treasure Island yet. this week, sadly. Yes, yet. We're going to do Muppet. <gasps> wait, We're gonna have wait. To do Muppet December. Muppet Sember. Muppet Sember. <laughs> and for our Christmas episode, we could watch Muppet Christmas. Kid. Boom, it writes itself. There we go. That's our December. Boom, right we there. got We're going to do a handful of Muppet episodes, and Caleb doesn't get a say because he's not here. <laughs> I like how I like how our democracy and BPP hinges on the fact of attendance. Attendance is integral to democracy, Dylan. <laughs> I mean, you could you could have Jar Jar just submit your vote for you and not be the Sith Lord that we all knew him to be. Well, Jar Jar was he okay? Listen, Jar Jar was still present at the vote, so he could cast a vote. <laughs> Caleb's not here, so he can't cast a vote. You know, that's a fair statement. Yes, um, this is the Bench Picture Podcast, the only podcast on the internet ever. And um, we um, are usually hosted by three people, but to this week it's only two. Um, and this is part. It should be part four, but I believe it's part three. It is part three uh, because I'm an idiot. Yes, this is part three of um, October um, that is going to give way into Cruise Vember. Um, but essentially, it's our extended Tom Cruise series because we fucking want to. Um, I am one of your hosts, Brosman Benick, joined by the one and only. I am the idea of American expansionism. I am Matthew Perry showing up on the shores of Japan. Are you with sure you want to be that, Dylan? Huh? Are you sure you want to be that? I mean, I'll play the villain all day. Let's go. Did you say Matthew Perry? Yeah, Matt Perry. Matthew Perry. The, legitimately, like Matthew Perry was the one who showed up to Japan with five warships and said, you're trading with the rest of the world. Are you talking about the movie or real history? I'm talking about real history. Okay, I was thinking about Chandler Bing. I knew you were, up. because once everyone hears that, everyone just goes, huh? Everyone goes, it's not a... No, that's the Hold on. What's the theme song? It's not a usual so that no one life told, could be so this no one way. Told you clap, 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 clap. gonna be this way. Clap, 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 clap. Yeah, we got it. We're fine. Yeah, DMCA'd we we everything. It, yeah. I feel like we have yeah, to get yeah, DMCA'd yeah. at least once per episode. It's been quite some time since I've watched Friends, so who knows? Like, I don't know. But we're talking about the best of Friends, a.k.a. Samurai and Imperialism. Who would have thought? Uh, Dylan, did you watch the same movie I did? Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, we watched The Last Samurai, um, starring Tom Hanks. And where's the cast list? Tom and Hanks. And Ken Watanabe. Um, Sir, and... you said Tom Hanks. Did I say Tom Hanks? You said Tom it Hanks. Would have been a very, it would have been a very different movie. It would have been a hilariously Hanks. different movie. Yeah, Tom Cruise there you go, in bud. the lead role with Ken Watanabe, Koyuki uh, Kato, Shin Koyamada, Tony Goldwyn, Masato Harada, um, Hiroyuki Sanada, Timothy Spall, Billy Connolly, so many people. What I'm just hearing is white guy try, tries to pronounce Japanese names. I like. I don't speak Japanese. I don't. Yet. We'll train. We'll put you through Duolingo's predatory services again. Uh no, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Dylan, this is so. This was your pick. You it was this one. because, and I'm not. I'm not gonna lie here. This is one of my favorite movies of all fucking time. Okay, I'm not quite as high on it as you are, but continue. Wait, of why it, it? Why I like it as one of my favorite movies of all time, or what? No, I, it, I, I don't. I, I did not like it as much as you did. But go ahead, but continue. So my big thing about what makes me like this movie so much is one, it's that severe practicality behind it. I'm a huge slut for practicality, mm -hmm. and so like just filming on set, filming on location, like doing all that shit. 
it it works to like a very real degree of selling the fact that like there are two different worlds at war with each other. Uh huh. And I know that like as a history nerd, I know like what inspired the events behind these um uh behind the, this story. The story. Yeah. Because Katsumoto isn't real. Oh wait, no. No, no, no. He, the, was Katsumoto real, or was he based on? He's based on a, a general who was there at the time. Y- yes. And then the biggest thing, the biggest like thing about this movie, is that like the samurai don't use firearms. Like, yeah, they did when they. D- this was during the Meiji Restoration, right? Where these people wanted yes. to put the emperor back at the center of power, and like not the bureaucrats and not all that shit, right? Uh, and not the kind of shogunate style governance that Japan had had before. Well, no, they wanted that because then their power would have returned. Okay. Okay. So yeah, they wanted again, I am, that. I'm going to shut up because I'm not an expert on Japanese history. I just I'm not either. I just the... I watched a History Buffs video. I just like to watch Japanese cinema because it's really good. I mean, it fucks. So, but no, my thing about this is just um, um, outside of taking like nothing's going to be historically accurate. Fuck being historically accurate. If you're going to watch that, watch the History Channel. Don't give a fuck. No, my thing is that this movie does a really great job at its core. A mantra of understanding. Of, like, understanding different cultures from the outside. Because I think a lot of people, when they hear The Last Samurai, they think, oh, it's Tom Cruise's Last Samurai. No, they're the, it's called The Last Samurai in the plural form. Uh, or, or is it The Last Samurai simply referring to Ken Watanabe? I feel like it's referring to all of them who are there. Um, see, I read it as it is Ken Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Is the is is the titular last samurai, um, and I'll get into my problems with it's specifically with the marketing in this movie. Oh, the marketing um, was probably dog shit. Um, yeah, we'll get into that later after we talk about the movie a little bit more. But yeah, I read it as Ken Watanabe as um, Katsumoto is the last samurai. I could see that. I can easily see that, like that kind of like thought and degree of it all, um, just because it's. It's that's probably true. He's like the embodiment of Bushido. He's the embodiment of the samurai mm-hmm. code. He's the embodiment of what it is to be a samurai, which a lot yes. of people think is just hacky slashy, no goody. But no, he shows like an understanding and appreciation for the arts, for nature, for mm-hmm. all that, which I think this movie captures really well that like, like, I think Tom Cruise goes on a monologue where he's like, I've never seen more dedicated people in my life. Uh-huh. Where he talks about that. I'm like, that's true because a lot of people in that society were dedicated to their craft 85% of their day. Yeah. The other 15 was eating rice. <laughs> um, so the movie, it follows the I'm gonna just brief, brief plot overview because yeah. this is a two and a half hour movie. Um, it follows the story of Captain Nathan Algren, played by Mr. Tom Cruise, of course. Um, he is a bitter and alcoholic former soldier from the American Indian Wars. Um, he is approached by his former commanding officer who is like, hey, we're training the Imperial Japanese Army. We're going to send you over there to train him. So he kind of reluctantly goes over there um, and he finds out that they're training the army to suppress the samurai rebellion and to kind of just turn Japan into a modern power. Yeah. Um, so the training is not going well. And then before his troops are ready, they send him off to fight a battle with the samurai samurai come in and wipe that army the fuck out dude they do so well like i love the setup for a lot like the setup for the army and that battle scene oh, that, is fantastic that entrance i loved that entrance oh the, the entrance samurai is great and i like the use of like different angles where it's like ah oh, the horse charge but wait the infantry comes from behind and like i love that 
Mm-hmm. Like when they when they have that charge and it's kind of slow mo when the they're coming in through the fog and they've got they're completely decked out in their armor with their helmets and yeah. everything and the the demon masks. Oh my god! It's, the Odie it, masks. That it was a great visual. Yeah. No, it's um, utterly fantastic because I think it also instills because it's going slow mo. That's probably how the the infantry is feeling because with the uh-huh. guns they're like they're scared they're on re- they're on train they're yeah. not ready for this and Nathan even says that in a previous scene with the beautiful tell this man to fire at me oh tom cruise is um capital g going for it oh 100% i still i that scene like where he's like tell him to fire me and he pulls out his pistol and starts shooting at the soldier uh-huh. and he's just like and i'd like the subtle do it you son of a bitch mm. oh god uh- Oh, so um, Tom, I'm just going to call him Tom Cruise because he's Tom Cruise. Yeah, go ahead. Tom Cruise. Um, most of the most of the army gets wiped out. Tom Cruise gets injured, but Ken Watanabe's character Katsumoto sees he sees a little something something in this. He guy. had a vision earlier of a white tiger yeah, fighting a, for its life, he, and then Tom Cruise is waving around a white tiger banner while he's fighting for his life. So he um, calls they him take off. him back to his. Calls off his guys, and he takes um, Tom Cruise back to their secluded mountain village, To um, and he heals up, and as he heals up, he starts learning the ways of the Japanese people and the way of the samurai, and uh, over time, over time, he grows close to um, Katsumoto, and he grows close to Taka. Um, Taka, who is the wife of a samurai he killed in battle, if I remember. Yeah, the red armor one. Right? The one he yes. the one he stabs through the neck in the last second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so eventually he saves Katsumoto from assassination attempt. Um, they, they just bond over just being warriors, just being mutual experience, like a warrior lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. because you see the duality between the two, especially like Katsumoto knows what he is. And even like with, um, when he hears general custard, like he's like, Ah, oh, it was a good death, and then Nathan reacts the opposite direction. Like, oh no, he's a no, fucking no, no, moron! No. What are you talking Cust- about? Like, Custer, he is right. Custer, well, no, Custer is sucked. a fucking moron. But that's where you get the duality of like a lifetime yeah, like, of being a warrior. Compared yeah, exactly, to, like, like no regrets. Get, like Katsumoto has no regrets doing whatever he's done in the past. Uh huh. And then you have Nathan, bit, which lot reasonably has a lot of problems yeah, because he's got he, killed, problems he was ordered to he's... kill innocent people because he is. Um, I think. Technical He's term the bad guy. here is a war criminal. He's a very much a war criminal. Um, but um, they go to Tokyo for some negotiations with the Imperial Army. Um, it's kind of a ruse. They capture Katsumoto, ask him to commit seppuku to redeem his honor. Um, Nathan and a couple of the other samurai bust oh, him his out. His son. Oh um, God, yeah, Katsumoto's scene. son is mortally wounded and sacrifices himself um, to help the others escape. Um, and then. The, then they have the gigantic battle scene, which is uh, what happened at the Battle of Thermopylae. Dead to the then, last man. Yeah, and then yep, the biggest then smile on both their motherfucking faces. Then there's the big battle sequence at the end where Katsumoto is mortally wounded. I'm going to pour and, one uh, out for Bob real quick. Bob? The the retainer that um, Tom Cruise had while he was in the village. The old guy. Oh yeah, right. Because right, right. he goes, my mind. Nathan out, and he takes the bullet in the throat and kills the guy, and then yeah, he just calls him my Bob, mind, and I'm like, oh, imme- Bob. My mind went to Bob from Top Gun Maverick. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Bob he um, comes in on a plane and goes, Bob! "I'm here to save you." <laughs> that was um, a weird plot twist about yeah. 19 years of the making. 
But yeah, the samurai being technologically outgunned, um, literally, out, by, just like they were outnumbered yeah. from the beginning. So like they know they're going down. Um, Katsumoto ends up committing seppuku with um, Tom Cruise's help. Um, a then, glorious death or beautiful death or something he quotes. And then he ends up presenting the emperor with Katsumoto's sword and asks him to remember the traditions that the um, samurai yeah. died for. Um, leading the emperor to realize that Japan does need to modernize, but it should not completely forget who they are. Um, and then at the end, there are rumors regarding Tom Cruise's ultimate fate. Um, and I'm choosing the one where he gets to be happy. Yes, but t- but Timothy Spall's character is kind of narrating this at the end. Well, of the yeah, movie. no, he's like he died of his wounds like a few days later, or he fucked off, mm-hmm. or he happy. went to the village and reunited with the way of life that he fell in love with and the people he fell in love with, and that's the movie. Yeah. All right. End the end the episode. We're done. <laughs> end the episode right here. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. No it. more. I want to go uh, back real quick. Yes. 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 Hiroki Sonata's um, character. Oh. I think it's Yujio. Yujio. The uh, way in the final it. battle, he just gets fucking riddled, like, before the Gatling gun scene, where he just stands up and goes, I'm going to kill five more of you. And I'm like, good God, that man can't be stopped. So, Dylan. Ma'am. This is one of your favorites of all time, correct? correct? yes. Now, now I want to say something. I want to say something perfectly clear. Do I think it's the most, like, sound movie? Uh-huh. No. Do I like it for a lot of the other reasons it has? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, this was... like, when I like my movies, I know their flaws. Yes, exactly. Um, th- so this was... So I want to preface this by saying, I'm when it comes to historical fiction... Yeah. It's got to be... There's got to be something... A movie's got to have the chutzpah to set itself into a part into an echelon where i don't just go oh that was good and this one for me it did not have said chutzpah what like when you say the chutzpah can you give an example of like what does have the chutzpah in this kind of um the last of the mohicans that is something where i think michael mann's uh i think michael i think michael mann's kind of um filmmaking style one just connects with me on a deeper level than i think who directed this edward zwick i think michael mann in my opinion is just a much better filmmaker than edward zwick and i think there are just better visuals and i think tighter editing choices than there are in something like the last samurai um like i I, I generally enjoyed the last samurai i just don't think it's not i think i think there are choices that could have been made that would have put it higher, like given it a higher rating for me. Got you. I um, understand. Um, just so we have a, a better platform for discussion. Um, do you have an example of that or like anything that like, I don't know. If, I think one thing for me was you are filming this in New Zealand, right? It's taking place in Japan. You are filming and at the same time emulating some of the most beautiful natural scenery on the planet. And there was, the cinematography I just thought was so pedestrian. It just felt incredibly average. There was there were no particular shots that really stuck out to me the whole movie. So you bring up the Les the Mohicans, and I honestly find that movie to be horribly boring. Like, there are moments mm-hmm. in that movie like that work, right? 
And, like, if we're talking about this genre of, like, historical fiction, Mohicans is up there, yeah. I'll agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. My thing is that, like, it it captures the culture of different societies well. It captures the struggles of the the people more than it does the British and the French. I'll agree with Mm -hmm. that. My thing is that I think that, like, its story is lacking of any real character but we're here uh, we're not here to talk about that movie and we the are reason why i bring that up is because i think that this movie has more character from minor characters even than we do from uh-huh. the last of the mohicans so i think that i think part of that is because i think there are more characters here than there are in last of the mohicans mohicans is very centrally located around daniel day lewis and like two or three characters in his surrounding arc whereas this one there's lots more moving parts it's not even that. Like, it's just like the moving parts. Like, we we think we're gonna get like the imperial side of it all, like America militarizing and Japan becoming more uh, world powery, but we mm-hmm. don't even get that. We get more the samurai side, and even then, I we get like minor characters having personalities. That's my thing. In the Mohicans, it just seems like they're not really being a character. They're just reading uh-huh. lines at some point. Uh huh. And that's why I uh, think, like, in this instance, again, Tom Cruise goes ham. Ken Watanabe goes ham. You oh, get, Kendall, he's, he's so good. We get, like, people of this caliber of acting who will never be touched on again. And then they have these moments. And, like, even the minor characters, like, Hiroki Sanada's, like, character isn't that integral. But he, he shows the ferocity of, like, the culture. Uh-huh. And, and, and I, he's also showing the resistance to Tom Cruise's uh, opposite culture or anti-culture. I don't want to say mm-hmm. anti-culture. I just want to say, like, Tom Cruise's ideology. Yeah, he he is very much kind of in terms of his, he's kind of like the right hand man to Katsumoto. He is, yes. It starts out and he kind of loses that to Tom Cruise throughout the movie. Um. Yeah, I really like I really like Sonata as an actor. I've I haven't oh, seen great. him in a lot of I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff, but the stuff I have seen him in, you know, he's in Speed Racer, he's in Mortal Kombat. Do, 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 do. Um He was in I Bullet think, Train. He, he did a great job in that. I have not I have not seen Bullet Train. Yet. You're gonna have a Still lot of fun. Yeah. It was um, a lot of fun. He was I forgot I always forget he's the villain in the second Wolverine movie too. Oh right. He um he's a minor villain, I think. Yeah, he the Silver Samurai or whatever he's, he's called. He's not the Silver Samurai. I thought it could I could have sworn he was the Silver Samurai. No, he's the son of the Silver Samurai. The son oh okay. My or mistake. the grandson excuse, or the, the married in son. He's something. Well, excuse me. <laughs> excuse um, me for reminding you about a minor Wolverine movie. Uh, a a min, a secondary character in one of the most just okay movie god that movie was just perfectly fine and nothing else it about it listen the only thing the that most... came out of that movie was when the woman who reads the future you hold your heart in your hand when you die and then we cut to logan and it's motherfucking laura holding oh uh, he's holding laura's hand oh dylan you're talking as if i have seen the wolverine more than once and that shut once up and let was me have when that it moment was released then. in okay. 2013 no, like um so is there any more, like, like you, you've talked about, like, the level it is on historical fiction. Is there something else that, like, uh-huh. kind of just didn't break that bubble for you? Um, I don't know. I think there is, it's, there is something about it that rubs me the wrong way. 
Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that the movie, it's called The Last Samurai. I fully read in, like, watching the movie, I'm fully reading, Ken Watanabe is the last samurai, right? Yeah. He is the last samurai. That is what I read into this movie. But. The marketing is Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise lending, you know, lending credence to the kind of whitewashing allegations. I mean, you know, like a lot of movies get the whitewashing allegations. It lends a lot of credence to that because. They pushed Tom Cruise. The poster for the theatrical poster is Tom Cruise going like Blade in the right frame or no, like something like that. The one, the one that I'm looking at right now, I can't share my screen with with it with you because it's on a different yeah. um, computer. But it's, it's just Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise looking majestic as Tom, fuck in the red lighting. It's Tom Cruise's face, right? Yeah, and then big text Tom Cruise right in the middle of the poster, and then just right below that in smaller font than Tom Cruise's name. <laughs> It says The Last Samurai. And I do think there is something to say about um, kind of the romantic the romanticization of um, um, kind of it's, it's very clearly enamored with, you know, Japanese culture and it's trying to treat it with respect, but it is still kind of holding on to kind of an outsider's romanticization. Um, well, that's the point of like him. But continue. I, I, I understand that it's it's just it's well intent. It's very. I can tell it's well intentioned. I can tell that. But it just it's just something about it rubs me the wrong way when it's all about how the samurai, the, you know, the samurai are the epitome of you know disciplined warriors, and how you know, but then. And they are like a step above your average warrior, and they are you know just these ruthless, incredible, amazing warriors that are you know the best of the best. And then this alcoholic white guy shows up, and within months he is on par with all of them, and you know beating pretty much all of them in battle. And it just—I never thought he I, beat them in battle. I feel like like I understand. Are you talking about the scene where he's about to get ambushed and murdered by the? basically the secret japanese police yeah i'm I'm just thinking it's my thing about it's just something that it, it just i can tell they're well intentioned they are very well intentioned with this movie it's just something about the execution feels off when they of course it's tom cruise you know it's tom, it's tom fucking cruise he's the biggest movie star on the face of the earth since you know 1996 or whatever um it's I just do, I just think it could have been handled a little bit better. You know what I mean? I understand where you're coming from because I think what you're trying to compare this to is the white savior kind of movement. Or That's the, exactly what I'm thinking. And I'm going to counter of, that. I'm mm-hmm. going to counter that here because what I I disagree that this is quote unquote the white savior like motif. This is just a guy on the outside. He's not. Uh-huh. changing anything he's not doing anything that like dramatically changes the plot like a dramatic like he waves the flag at the end of patriot and like they all go over the hill and they win right he's not doing oh, anything like Patri- that that's, the patriots another movie i got lots of problems with. no let's let's can we just <laughs> shit on mel gibson one month okay well, a month of mel gibson movies we're just gonna take a hot steam and shit but beside I the can point think no so nothing i want to do less still <laughs> i do it before the podcast I'd absolutely do it, but I wouldn't have fun. <laughs> we're, 
listen, we're not here to have fun at that month, but... What are we here for? I don't know anymore. <laughs> but no, um, something that um, I think that... So, we're back to the white savior stereotype. Uh, there's yeah. another movie that I always hear this movie is compared to, and it's uh, Dances with Wolves. I was going to bring up how it's it does have a very similar plot structure. Oh, the plot structure is similar. With... It's just uh, the execution is a lot different, where the main character in Dances with Wolves, he actively moves and saves them and does all this. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise just goes with the flow. Uh, Tom Cruise is much more passive. Yeah, and that's why I think the white savior motif doesn't necessarily fit in Last Samurai. I don't think yeah. it fits there because he's not necessarily be like, no, just run, just blah, blah, blah. Like, we could do this if we use superior tactics. No, like, they use superior he tactics. Is, they just go out is, on their own terms. He is simply not a savior. He is just there. Yeah, he's a bystander at wolves, best. Like, but he gets whereas, involved. Yeah, I just, I just, again, it's just, I think the whole Tom, you know, these, these samurai have been training their whole lives and have been putting their bodies into physical perfection their entire lives. And then all of a sudden here comes this white guy who is able to emulate them and be almost pretty much on their level within the span of like four months. That is what kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, well, I think like, again, like your, your opinion is valid. I'm not going to say it's shit, but hmm. I feel like the entire time leading up to the ambush scene, he didn't get it. Like he barely uh-huh. beat Yu-Gi-Oh!, he always got his ass kicked and everything else. Like, you saw him get his ass kicked. So, like, he never just, like, was immediately good at it. Like, Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I wasn't saying that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that scene where, like, he takes down the secret police. One, mm-hmm. they know how to accurately do the fight choreography. Because the way he blocks the sword like that, that's how katanas are made. Like, the uh-huh. back end is blunt as fuck. So, you can grab it like that. So, you can, like, hold it uh-huh. up. So, the fight choreography, nothing to shit on that. That's immaculate, mm. perfect, everything. Some of the best fight choreography I've seen. Um, but, like, I feel like in that moment where it's the slow-mo and he relives it all, mm-hmm. that's his moment of not necessarily being on par, but understanding how to get there. Uh-huh. And, and my, and like, again, your criticism is valid. Like, he just comes in, does, like, what, six months, and he's good? Uh-huh. And, like, two of those months, he was hobbling like a motherfucker. Like, no, like, it's just, I feel like the movie sets up well for the way scenes happen. Uh-huh. It's just, I, like, I, I agree some of the editing's kind of meh. But, like... Yeah, I, there, there's, there are definitely a lot of technical aspects that I do have issues with. I just think it, there, there are so many things that could have been, they could have... This could have been one of the most beautifully fucking shot movies I've ever seen, and it's just so pedestrian. And I feel like we could say that now just because we've seen a lot of movies that take that, what basically it had, and to make it immaculate. Mm. But that comes with years of watching movies and years of watching all that. Probably in 2003, this was probably fucking spectacular. Let's see. What else came out this year in 2003? Oh, Return of the King. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> That's a big one. Enough said. Enough said. Uh, yeah. Um, show watched films. I'm going to sort by my rating. And just but see while where... you do that, I want to go on a small tangent. Go for it. So th- something I like about this movie, I already said earlier, the practicality behind it, but also the fact they're blood splats, like the violence they use for it. Like those things are on point every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they were, they definitely did not shy away from the violence of combat, which I did appreciate. I appreciate yeah, because that. violence is always like glorified a bit too much in. These mm-hmm. kind of movies. Again, we'll bring up the Patriot. 
They go, ha ha, bang. Mm, God, I hate the Patriots. I hate it so, so much. Um, 2003 was a good fucking year, dude. Oh, uh, it Lord, was immaculate. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Kill Bill, Volume 2? Two? 2. Yeah, Volume 2. Uh, Bong Joon-ho's memory. No, Volume 1. Never mind. It was Volume 1. I think Volume 2 was 2004. Ah. Um, Finding Nemo, Memories of Murder, Pirates of the Caribbean. Hey! School of Rock. Oh, my God. Elf. Did we just... I think we peaked at Society of 2003 in terms of cinema. Have you seen... Dylan, I've got a movie that you should watch. Huh? If you have not seen... I'm, I guarantee... I'm 99% certain you've seen this. Master and Commander, Far Side of the I World. have seen that movie multiple times. I, of course. It's, I, I looked at that movie and I was like, that's a Dylan movie. <laughs> it's... Like, if you want to talk about historical accuracy done right, that movie. Yeah, like, if you want to talk about a historical epic that I really fuck with, Master and Commander. Oh, 100%. Um, old Boy, Big Fish. Yeah, 2003, great year. 2003, great. Chef's great Kisses. So I, w- I, would put, I would put Last Samurai comfortably in the middle. I'd put it the... on, like, low-tier upper echelon. Yeah, because it, it's definitely not in the low lower section. It's very clearly above the bottom movies, but I think it's definitely a clear step below, like, the top two levels. Oh, I agree with that. Like, it's not, like, it's a great movie. Like, in terms of its themes, in terms of its action, in terms of its characters, great. Uh, some minor, like, technical aspects take away from the film as a whole. But the reason why I love it so much mm-hmm. is because of its central theme of understanding. Like, yes. We all, like, especially today, like, the lack of understanding is immaculately high. Like, it, yeah. all it takes, though, is just, like, we're not immediately going to get it. We're not immediately going to understand a culture in a day. Uh-huh. It takes time. It takes understanding. It takes patience. Because, like, it takes Tom Cruise, like, in the movie, at least, a couple of months to learn Japanese. And he had to self-taught. Like... Which um, I so I I don't do Duolingo a whole lot anymore. But when I did, I tried some Japanese lessons. Whole, that is, it's fucking incredibly hard. It is a very difficult language to learn if you speak if English is your first language. Oh my like, if god! You're not, I, like the only reason I only know how to say some pronunciations is because I'm a fucking nerd. I watch anime in Japanese. Yeah, it's because I it's because I shotgunned Akira Kurosawa movies in college. <laughs> While, while people were shotgunning beers, I was shotgunning Kurosawa I was, movies. I could see you with was, like a key, and like you just stab a Kurosawa movie and just chug I was, it. I'm just shoving Throne of Blood straight into my head and <laughs> absorbing the knowledge. <laughs> um, so Dylan, on a scale of one to ten, actually, oh, before we get to the ratings, there's two more things I do want to talk about. Um, Timothy Spall. Okay, I like him. I like how he has two modes. Posh British man or disgusting little creep. He has two modes. In terms of his acting style? Yes. Yeah. Um, Because funnily enough, I watched um, this was my, I watched this movie um, earlier in the day. And then I watched another, I watched a horror movie on Criterion Channel later in the day that coincidentally also had Timothy Spall in it. So I got the two modes of Spall. <laughs> there is no in-between. No nothing. There is no in-between. He is either a posh British man or he is just a disgusting little creep. Well, yeah, I was about to say, well, wait, where does this character... Because he's a he's in a movie from years ago where he's a Holocaust denier. I'm like, no, he's a disgusting little creep. Yeah, he's a disgusting little creep right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Before we go into ratings, also, wait, you have another point. My apologies. I was going to say Hans Zimmer scores perfect. Oh, my God. That just, I was about to bring it up. Back when Hans Zimmer gave a shit about the movies he scored. Because oh. he was doing, he did this and Pirates of the Caribbean. And he was just like, year. my masterpieces. Well, Dylan, we all know that his masterpiece came out in 2008 when Kung Fu Panda was released. <laughs> I forgot he did that. He did Kung Fu Panda and the Dark Knight in the same year. He's God. The man um, was making money. Um, it, what, what do you mean was? He the is. man did Dune. The man, the, everyone is set for life. Every one of his descendants. Yeah. The, it, it, Hans Zimmer, I th- he's probably got fuck you money. What is Hans Zimmer's net worth? I doubt it's like too remarkably high. Before you tell me anything, I'm going to guess a number. Okay. Um, I'm going oh. to guess 30, $385 million. Lower. Really? It is lower than 385 250. million. 250. A little lower. 240. Keep going. It's, it's, it's $200 Ah, oh, fuck. Really? We treasure the arts this much? Um, Hans Zimmerman's can... Uh, he will typically get paid about $2 million per film scored. Why aren't we paid $2 million per podcast episode? Because Dylan, I this is this is the seventy fifth episode of the show. We have never done anything as culturally significant as the song "Uguay Ascends" from Kung Fu Panda. Why are you gonna make me cry in this moment? We have we have never done anything. I feel like that's our next like that. milestone is the Uguay Ascends moment. The Uguay Ascends bar. Yes, that is what we need. That is the goal for Here, us. We here's to... where I think we are. Okay, we're a little bit above. Um, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Hans Zimmer. We're a little bit above okay. that. Okay, hold on. There's those are two different tiers, Dylan. Well, no, Man it's the Steel, same. Like, he does the same thing. Like it's basically does, the same score. You just gotta listen to it. There's some work. I I think Man of Steel start to be, beginning is more consistent than uh, Dawn of Justice. I meant the like, music. I, I, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I, I again, I think Man of Steel. I think it's not good, but it's got a really good score. Oh, the score and, fucks, especially when he's like. Building up the strength to shoot up into the terror for me thing. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Hans Zimmer's score saves it the movie. It saves the movie. Whereas Dawn of Justice, there's no fucking saving that. No, he's just like, he just took a shit and then he just smeared it all over some paperwork and said, that's it. Hans Zimmer was like, oh, you need me to just rehash all my music and then introduce one new theme song for Wonder Woman? Fucking sure. <laughs> the um, theme song that will never die. That will never go away. No matter how much I want it to, because <laughs> what you don't want a heavy metal guitar for a Greek Amazon woman? I don't I just don't want? <laughs> <laughs> you you got Constantly. so high that the that the video call we're on blocked you out. Oh wow! Well, my, it looks like my audacity picked it up, so the listener could hear it. Um, so scale of one to ten, what are you what are you giving the last samurai? I'm to? gonna give it um, eight glorious deaths. Hold, hold on, give me a second. God damn it. Okay, I'm just going to fucking type it, because I don't... Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> he's just going to type it, because he's a grumpy man. He's a grumpy little eight man. Gl- eight glorious deaths. Uh, seven point seven, seven. Um, wonderful swords. It's wonderful Seven wonderful swords. And then um, three uh, bitch-ass emperors. I don't know. Three, three bitch-ass emperors. I'm going to give it a, a, a 6.5. There is more than good than bad here, but I think it could have been much more. Uh, my biggest things to take away are practicality, plot, 
Hans Zimmer score and the message. Oh, if it weren't for Hans Zimmer's score, it probably would have been about a five and a half or a six. That's like Hans Zimmer's score by, it, by itself is worth multiple points. <laughs> it's so good. Is it the Stan Whitman up, like the Stan, like practical effects Hans master? Zimmer is the, Hans Zimmer is the, what's his name, Stan Whitman? I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's Stan Whitman, but I stopped myself uh, before sounding like an idiot. Is it Sam Whitman? No, fuck it. You know who I'm talking about. We the know who we're talking about. Fuck. Listen to the previous episode. We know who we're talking Listen about. Listen to last week's episode because I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but Dylan, Cruz Tober has ended with this episode. Now we're in Tom Vember. The, the sun sets its lovely face on the eaves of Cruz Tober. And it rises a much Eve. older and grizzled face. On, it, on All Hallows' Eve, it ends. But in the morning, the sun rises on a glorious new dawn. Of Tom Vember. And what are we going to watch to start Tom Vember, you ask? Well, since Caleb's not here, I get to pick. I was going to say, it's your, it's your turn, ain't it's it? It's my pick. Yes, it is. Um, and this is a movie. We're watching a movie. Fuck! We're watching a movie? Yes, I know. It's a shocker. It is, it's got Tom Cruise in it, of course. Blasphemy. And, of course, it is directed by a guy who I might consider my all-time favorite director. I can't tell if you're lying or not. Oh, I'm not lying, dude. I fucking love Michael Mann. Michael Mann has risen up my rankings over the past two years. Are you thinking... Am I thinking what you're thinking going to say, think? Um... You said that really confusingly, but if you think I'm going to say collateral, then you are correct. We're watching collateral. I knew it. I didn't actually. Um, I didn't know what the fuck you were going to say. We were we're going to watch Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx fight in a taxi. God, that movie hours. fucks. Collateral is one of the most perfect action movies ever made, and I will die on this hill. You've died on a lot of hills, but I'm running out of revivify spells. you got to pick one day where uh, you're just going to stay dead. Yeah, um, it is legitimately one of my all-time favorite movies and i've been looking for an excuse to watch it for the podcast and we now we have it. it um so yeah we're gonna do some more tom cruise for november and then i think i think are we in agreement that we want to do the muppets for december yeah awesome we're gonna do top we're gonna roll through again in order to have uh, a vote you have to show up so caleb doesn't matter exactly shit. so caleb doesn't get a vote so sorry caleb actually i'm not sorry at all um yeah so we're gonna do how many tuesdays are there in november uh, should be four. And so we got the first, the eighth. Oh, there's five Tuesdays in November. Oh, shit. So we got five, we got five more Tom Cruise movies, Dylan. But there's plenty. We got them. Oh, the the man's been making movies since 1981. The real question is, from. where do we put Fallout? Uh, I think we, we got to close with Fallout. Uh, okay, right? we're on the same page at that point. We're going to close with Mission Impossible Fallout. If it didn't open, it has to end. Exactly. We opened with Ghost Protocol. We're going to close with Fallout. So, in my opinion, I feel like Oblivion has to be in there. It's that sci-fi movie he did. We've talked about Oblivion so many times on this podcast, and I still haven't seen it. And that's why we got to do it, because, uh, frankly, I watched it a bit too many times. I have never seen it once. Um, So, here's what I'm thinking. We have Collateral, uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Collateral. Oh, um, oh, I know. Edge Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I call it by its other title, because it's so much better. Um, that um, um, Oblivion Oblivion do we want to do a shit Tom Cruise movie we close with Fallout so that leaves a wild card here's what Let's I'm see. thinking 
I'm pulling up his letterbox so I can. Do you see, want to like, know what, what I'm thinking right now? Let me see if I can guess. He's got a lot of movies on here. You probably um, won't get it. Hold on. Let me get rid of that filter. Minority Report? No. Oh, because Minority Report rocks. I want to watch that one. I know we're celebrating Tom Cruise, but we got to mention just one thing of a shit. Is it Vanilla Sky? No. War of the Worlds? That one's okay. That's fine. Um, it, it happened it, recently. Re- the Mummy. There you go. Oh, we could do The Mummy. We, we need to do The Mummy. Listen, okay, it so- insulted Brendan Fraser by existing. Yeah, yeah, it really did. So, okay, so here's the lineup for... Are we actually planning? We are actually planning for once. So check out the BPP podcast feed all of every Tuesday in November. November 1st, we've got Collateral. November 8th, we got Edge of Tomorrow, which means November 15th Oblivion. is Oblivion Week. November 22nd, the week of Thanksgiving, <laughs> it's The Mummy. <laughs> And because we all need to be thankful that Tom Cruise is not making a sequel to that, we we should be thankful that the Dark Universe is dead. Yes, that is what we're thankful for. That is what we should be thankful for this and every Thanksgiving. <laughs> and November 29th, we're going to close out With our goddamn motherfucking Fallout, our eight-part Tom Cruise series. Eat your heart out, Ridley. You barely you got four. Ridley got three, dude. Ridley got three. Tom Cruise has got eight. Is it eight? Will it be eight or will it be nine? I don't know. I'm going to double check our podcast. Um, it's it's eight because we lost Maverick. Yeah, you're right. We lost Maverick. So it's going to, yeah, it's going to be eight, eight parts, eight weeks of Tom Cruise. I'm not complaining. And then, and then we get a month of Muppets and then it's 2023 and. Anarchy, 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 anarchy. 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 anarchy.